Christian church, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The social media with all the electronics, with all the video games, and what they're going to find out is they're like those roaming around in the desert for 40 years and they never get satisfied. They never move forward. They never grow. Their heart is never completely filled without God in their life. I want to talk to you today about walking in power. The closer the return of Christ, the more power we need to walk in. In 2 Timothy 3, 1, it says, And this know also that in the last days perilous times come. Now look at this description about the last days. Tell me we're not already in the last days. Look at this description of it. That we know in the last days perilous times could come. Now, it tells you what the perilous times are. It's getting ready to go into precise detail of what the perilous times are. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Are we there? Do men love themselves? Covetness, that means that they desire what they don't have. They're constantly coveting what they don't have. And not being thankful for what they do have. Isn't that weird? You could constantly be desiring what you don't have and not enjoy what you already got. Boasters, are we there? Boasters, proud, are we there? Blasphemers, blasphemers is, are people that say things against the word of God, say things against church, say things against the name of Jesus. Are we there? Blasphemers. We had that comedian, I forget her name, but she went up on stage and she was boasting and bragging about her getting the double vaccines. And then she was like, I'm double vaxxed and I got my boosters, I got my shingle shot and, 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 and I went to, uh, never got COVID and, and I went to Mexico and she said, clearly Jesus loves me more. And right after she said that, Right after she said that, she faints and she fractures her skull. Now, I listened to a video after that, and it was immediately after she said that. It wasn't hours later. You tell me that that is bad luck. That's coincidence. That's chance. No, she's blaspheming the word of God, blaspheming the name of Jesus. And here's the thing. That might sound like God get a harsh judgment. She might have been doing that her whole life, and God was nudging her to repent, and she didn't. Now, I don't have any problem with anyone getting vaccinations. Listen to me. Even the COVID-19 vaccination, I don't have a problem with you getting that. My problem is the side effects. That when you get it, it causes blood clots. When you get it, 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 it stirs up already uh, infirmities in the body and activates them and triggers people to die. That's what's happening. And it's not stopping covid you have the, the Canada and you have Israel that had the highest vaccination rate in the world and they still have the highest COVID rate. Now, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a genius, but I could put two and two together that it's at the minimum not working. So this lady, she says, this comedian, she says this. What did she say? She said... I have never in my life 
fainted ever before. So here you have a lady that is bragging about getting vaccinated and then using the Lord's name in vain. And out of her mouth, she has never fainted before. You think that? See, this is the, we're in the last days, folks. We're in the last days. And I'm going to tell you that, that what happened to that lady, it went viral. And they tried to remove the aspect of she used the Lord's name in vain. They tried to cover that up. I posted the actual video. And I didn't even give my opinion. And they, they, they uh, banned or suspended my account again. I literally didn't even give my opinion. I said, according to the mainstream news, this is what happened. And that was it. I, I, I never gave, I still don't really have an opinion about it. I just know that it wasn't luck. That's all I know. So it says blasphemous, disobedient to parents. Are children disobedient to parents? Are children disobedient to parents? That is a sign of being in the last days. See, right now you have parenting, and I'm not saying I'm an expert parent, but I'm saying I see some things that need improvement. You have parents that no longer want to discipline their children. It either goes to two extremes. I believe that makes the devil happy. Either the parents abuse their children and they beat them and abuse them, beat them half to death, or they don't do nothing. And that's where we're at. That's a sign of being in the end times. Unthankful, unholy. Unholy, these are signs of the times, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontentment, a fierce despisers of those that are good. Out of this old last two years, the target has always been the church. Everything ungodly has been open, has been deemed essential, except for the church. Traitors, heady, high-minders, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And I'm telling you, that is one of the highlighting points right now of what we're in. It's not that, if you ask any random person, even people that are not saved, they'll tell you they love God. But then if you ask them, are you willing to uh, set aside a little bit of your day to go to church? Are you to give God who provides 100% of your income? Are you willing to give God 10% of that income? Sh prove to me, now you don't have to, I'm just, I'm just making a point. Prove to me that you love God more than you love pleasure. Prove to me that you love God more than you love your own money. Prove to me that you love, Jesus said if you don't love your, your husband, your wife, your daughter more than me, you're not even worthy to be my disciple. Now I think what he was saying is that we can get to a point where we worship people more than we worship Jesus. And when we do that, we don't accurately know how to love them because we try to love them out of the carnality, out of the flesh, and out of intelligence. But God will give us revelation and how to love them in a way that it will bless them. Because a lot of times we love people in a way where it makes them dependent on us rather than dependent on God. We're talking about the last days. It says, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. You see that? This is where the, a lot of churches at right now. They have a form of religion. They do rituals and they do all these things and they, they go to church, but they will deny that there's power in God. And look at what the Bible says. 
You know, you know something that I'm learning right now? God has blessed me with the gift of faith. Right? He really has blessed me. I've done things that if you would have saw what I did before you saw the outcome, you would have said, I am crazy. But then once you see the outcome, then you say, oh, you're a genius. No, it wasn't that. I saw the, 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 the word of God enter into my heart, and I operated on faith, not by sight. And there's, there is different um, levels of faith that need to be applied in different situations. You see, when God, when God uh, says in Malachi 3.10 about tithes, it takes one level of faith, right? But then when God says your loved one has cancer and they only have a month to live and you want to pray and ask God to heal them, that's another level of faith. Amen. And then you got some folks, they have no faith at all. And, and instead of them going around people that do have faith, they attack those that have faith because they're insecure about their lack of faith. Which you can do that, or you can humble yourself and you can draw to people who have gifts, and instead of attacking them, you can learn and grow from them. And look at what it says. It says, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And it says, from such turn away. In other words, don't even, because what happens is when you surround yourself by people who have a lack of faith and a lack of power, it jumps on you. It's contagious. It, fear spreads like cancer. But so does faith and so does the power of God. If you surround yourself by people operating in the power of God, guess what will happen? It won't be long before you start walking in the power of God too. If you could humble yourself and, and not look at them as the enemy. Daily communication with God is a crucial source of power. In other words, if you don't pray every day, how could you walk in the power of God if you're not communicating with him? Amen. Daily, Jesus said, give us this day our monthly bread. Give us this day our moldy bread. See, God called us to daily bread, which means, he also said this, man can't live off of Panera alone. He said, man can't live off of bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now here, we can all receive that, but the truth of the matter is, is Jesus said, or the Bible said, not Jesus, the Bible says in Jeremiah in the Old Testament, he said that I will, I will give you pastors. I will give you shepherds that will feed you that have a heart after me. And so God raises up pastors and ministers and preachers that they will, God will speak straight through them. And people right now, they don't want to hear God speak through a person. They want to be the exclusive one that God speaks through. They want to be the only one that God speaks through, and they won't listen to anyone else. And that's not how God operates. So we need to have daily communication with God. It is a crucial source of power. In other words, when you wake up, what is the first thing you do? Do you, when you wake up, say, Lord, thank you for waking me up. You didn't have to wake me up, but I'm glad that you did. With little simple things. When you eat your meal, your breakfast, do you take 
three seconds and say, Lord, bless this food. Thank you for this breakfast. I know the banana's overripe, but thank you, Lord. You see, that's daily communication. Before you go to work, me and my wife, and, and I'm going to be transparent with you, we do not pray before every day before we go to work. And I'm telling you, we can feel the difference. There is a difference. We pray. Do you know me and my wife, we pray on the way over to church. Lord, bless every soul that comes. Lord, fill up your house. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will move and operate in your house, that you'll be glorified, that you'll set people free, deliver folks, encourage them, bless them, prosper. We pray on the way over here. And when we pray before we go to work, man, the day runs smoother. Before you go to Walmart, you ought to pray. And we, we, can, we can take things for granted. Man, I've had some of my most toughest times just going shopping. Enemy hit me from, cashiers are rude. Customers give me the stink eye. People wanting to fight over a parking spot. You just think that you could just go to a store and you don't really need to communicate with God. But do you know that if you communicate with God, He could make the crooked path straight and give a way smoother transaction. Communicating God is a crucial to walking in power. Uh, and Judah said, But ye beloved, building yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen? This is what we do. We, we walk in power by praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen? Romans 8.26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray, for we ought as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered, and he searcheth the hearts, knoweth what is the... Uh, he searches the hearts, knoweth what he is, what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. Amen. We ought to pray daily. And it's also referencing praying in tongues. Amen. Ask the Lord. You're, you're never going to get the gift of tongues if you don't ask for it, if you don't pursue it. See, there, I believe God can just drop the gift on you and you start praying. I, I do believe that. But what happened with me? I asked the Lord to give it to me, and I spent an entire day asking God to give me that gift. And, when that, and I've heard stories of people say, oh, I, I had that gift for one day and I lost it. Well, when I got the gift, I prayed in the Spirit the whole entire day. And to be honest, I was afraid I was going to lose it. Amen? Now, I don't pastor in a way where, like, you know, I feel that I have one up on you if you don't speak in tongues or you have one down on me. It's a gift, amen? But, it's, but, but the Bible also says that he distributes uh, the gifts, amen? And if an a, 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 a ungodly, wicked parent can knows how to give good gifts to the children, how much more does a heavenly father want to give gifts, amen? So if you believe you can have it, I believe you can have it, amen? Amen. But, but this is another thing of walking in the power. And, and if you don't have that gift, pray however you can pray until something happens. Amen? 
Do what you can do for now. Take the two fish to five loaves, amen, and, and pray that way, amen. Hypercritical communication, fault-finding and complaining, gossiping is a false sense of power, amen. So we're talking about walking in power, but these are things that will take away your power. And I was asking myself, Lord, why do people gossip? Why do people complain? Why are people uh, critical, hypercritical in communication? Why are people fault-finding? And, and I asked the Lord, and this just came to me. The reason why people do it is because it get, if you can gossip about other people, if you can talk about other people behind their back, if you can become hypercritical in conversation, it will give you a sense of power. It'll give you, like, when you feel that your life is out of control, a way of feeling like you're in control is to, to talk down on other people. If you, can, if you can belittle other people, it will elevate yourself. And so they're, they're, people become addicted to gossip. Right? So it is a problem. And I know some folks, just like, you know, we got uh, what Biden was talking about, giving free crack pipes out for everybody, or something like that. I think that might have been taken a little bit out of context, but whatever it is, he's providing some weird stuff, right? People become addicted to crack. Well, you could also be addicted to being critical, right? And so here's what will break that. Okay, so, Pastor, now that you beat me down to the ground and I have no hope, are you going to leave me there and kick me while you're at it? No. A lot of times, folks that are hypercritical in communication, that are fault-finding, that are complaining, gossiping, it's because they're lacking communication with God. Okay? So, so when you're lacking communication with God, your communication with other people is going to lack. And quantity, quantity of communication is not more important than quality. Okay, so just because you're talking more to another person does not mean either party is being benefited. Right, so you can, I'm telling you folks, you can break all of these bad habits. If you find yourself being high, and I believe all of us can have problems in every one here, in every little area right here. Right, and maybe not like just hellfire poisons coming out of your mouth, but just a little bit here and there. But I'm telling you, it's no, it, look, it's not, a, it's not a thing. All you do is you amp your communication with God. Because if you pray and spend time praying with the Lord, you can still gossip and you can still slander people, but what will happen is you won't have no, that, that normal feeling of power, that normal enjoyment that you get from doing that, you won't have it anymore. Because God will give you conviction. He'll tell you, I have better for you. That. And now here's the kicker. This is what God showed me. Any person that you're willing to gossip with, and if they're willing to gossip with you, the moment that you're not talking to them, guess who they're gossiping about? See, a lot of times we think that we have this elite privilege with one another and that they only gossip with us and they don't gossip about us. It's a, it's a deception. I promise you, and I'm going to tell you how I figured this one out. 
I mean, God showed it to me. But, but with a person, I'm not going to say the person's name because I don't want to do the thing I'm telling you not to do. But, but here's what happens is the deception is, is that you have this elite standard with this person. And, and they're going to tell you exclusivity, uh, personal details about other people, and you have this privilege with them. Come on, that smells like pride itself. You think you're that special that you're only the person privileged to all this negative stuff about other people? Man, the moment you turn your back, they're talking about you like a no-good, dirty dog. And if you're cool with that, because here's the deception of gossip, is that it feels good to be the one gossiping and hypercritical towards everyone else, but then when they're doing it towards you, oh, how dare you? Oh, I'm offended. You see what I'm saying? So, again, I'm not saying that to stop. I, I know all of us have the potential to struggle with that. Again, not a big deal. All you do is amp your communication up with God. And what will happen is you'll walk in real power. Because, like I said, this, this is all from the devil, hypercritical, fault-finding, complaining, gossiping. It's a false sense of power. But here's the thing. As Christians, do we need to compromise and settle for a false sense of power when God has real power available for us? I'd rather take the real thing. Are you going to settle for a cubic zirconian when God can give you a real diamond that will cut glass? I'm not going to settle for less when better is available. We just need to hear that. We need to hear that. And just because the rest of the world thinks it's normal, I know what it is to go on the job. And I'll tell you what, you, if just the fact that you're not willing to be hypercritical, you're not willing to fault find, you're not willing to complain, you're not willing to gossip, if you don't engage in that with everyone at work, guess who becomes the enemy? And so a lot of times, you guys have been skeeting through with no battles where you should have been at war. Mm. Well, I just had a great day at work. God said, I didn't send you to have a great day. I sent you to break all hell loose and set the devil on fire and chop off his head. Okay, so how did I discover that other people are talking about me when they gossip about me with other people? I didn't get into that. I didn't forget. There was an unnamed family member that was just, I'm talking about this person had issues. Sweet as can be, elderly lady, but I'm talking about Hate. Hate would come out of her mouth towards everyone in the family. Right? I mean, it was just, a lot of times gossip is really unforgiveness. It's, it's actually a manifestation of unforgiveness. It's a manifestation of a wounded heart. And it's a manifestation of pride. Because if we're not willing to address it, it comes out in that way. But so this, this, this family member was just spewing out poison. And this was when I was a brand new baby Christian. And, and, and they were spewing out poison against the rest of the family. And they were saying all that. And I didn't bite. And I turned around and I looked at both of them. I said, gee... Gee, I wonder what you say about me when I'm not around. 
And you know what they did? They both looked at each other and they choked up. It was like a revelation from God. And they never admitted. They actually stuck. They were, when it was coming to gossip about everyone else telling it to me, they were flowing. But the moment I said, gee, I wonder what you guys say about me when I'm not around. It, they started stuttering. It messed them up. Because they had, they had been practicing this communication, this false sense of power for 30 years. And then one of their own family members called them out on it. And they had never been called out. And I'll tell you, God showed it to me. They, they couldn't even, they, the, the, the normal reaction would be like, no, we're not gossiping about you. They couldn't even say that. It rattled them so much that they couldn't even move past it. They, they looked at each other. They paused. You, you know what? That's normally an indication that someone's lying when they pause. Right? That's a, a, that's a, uh, a quirk in the flesh. But folks, again, we can have real power. Amen? Amen. I want to talk to you today about walking in power. In Ephesians 4.29, let no... Look at this, folks. Come on. This is true power. Let no... Well, maybe just a little bit. Come on, it's fun at work. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But what? But that which is good to the use of edifying. In other words, if what you're saying about one another is not building them up, edifying them. And I'll tell you, one of the biggest problems about gossiping is it doesn't help the person that's not there. Believe me, there's a time. Because it's almost like hidden rebuke. The Bible says open rebuke is better than secret love. And you're cheating that person who probably you should be talking to them face to face and rebuking them directly. They never get to hear that they're out of order because you're saying it behind their back. They never even have an opportunity to grow. Maybe they need to be told about themselves. You see? And that would be edifying. Ah, I know I'm in the house today. Amen. It's Holy Ghost here. Yeah, I, I'll run a lap around if I need to. Amen. Amen. I, I, I got things to do, though. Amen. <laughs> Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. And folks, believe me, I want to be sensitive that I do understand that th this can be a strong addiction. I get it. Believe me, I, I don't want to try to act like, well, Pastor, I've been trying. I just can't control. And here's the thing. It's a heart issue. That's all you got to do is be real with God. God, my heart's not right. Lord, touch my heart. David, even David, King David, he said, Lord, create in me a clean heart. 
Man, that's what the whole, that's the job of the word of God. And folks, just the fact that you came to church today and you had so much humility to hunger after the word of God, that word of God is scrubbing in the heart and scrubbing in your mind. It's cleansing your soul right now. And you have one up. I'm telling you, you have one up. And if you stay in under the word of God, man, the word of God will change you. And you'll go from someone that possessed a fake sense of power to someone who's actually walking in real power. Believe me, it's a difference. Don't sell yourself short. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Pastor's talking about me. I could feel it. <laughs> Folks, honestly, I... My wife can tell you I mess up sometimes. Amen. All of us, we need to repent. Amen. Amen. Even myself. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that to be false hum, humble. <laughs> I, I have to ask the Lord to forgive me. Uh, Matthew 12, 36. Now, folks, if you need a little bit of motivation on what I was just talking about, this motivated me. This worked for me. Because there was a time when I first got saved I would talk about people behind their back. I would gossip. And, and that was before I read the scripture. Because here's the thing, folks. When you really love God, you want to do what his word tells you to do. Amen? And, and, and look at what it says, Matthew 12, 36. It says, but I say unto you that every idle word, So, in other words, there could be people that are walking in a false sense of power, being hypercritical and gossiping and fault-finding and slander. They could be doing that. And it might look like it's okay at that moment. might even feel good at that moment. It might give them, them this sense of, like, high and this I'm powerful thing. And, and, and a lot of times people will always gossip. They'll gossip up, not down. I'm going to say it again. When people are hypercritical, and they'll, they'll gossip up and not down. In other words, people that they feel like are in a better position than them, they'll gossip up. You don't see a whole lot of people walking around, a bunch of homeless people. Yeah, that homeless guy the other day, man, he ain't no good. Man, there's something wrong with that homeless guy. You know, we don't do that. We gossip up because it makes us feel. But, but here's the thing. Look at what the Bible says. But I say unto you that every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. When I read that, I was like, really, Jesus? Every, what, I was just playing. And he said, every idle word. So go ahead and keep doing it if you want. But Pastor Kalini from Strongsville Christian Church going under AKA Strongsville Pentecostal Church because they're shutting down our other account. Got all these aliases. I've, I've given you what the scripture says. Amen. Amen. And I'm telling you, you can break it. I, 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 God has broken me from so many bad habits, folks. 
And I, I, that's why I preach with confidence because it's not just the uh, uh, academics. I've, ex I've walked in certain things and I've gotten free from certain things. And I know if I could get free, everyone could get free of these things. Amen. Now, communication with God's people as comrades and not competition is a source, a, a, cr a crucial source of power. Amen. Comrades means an ally. Okay, so in other words, when you communicate between your brothers and sisters in the Lord, you have to communicate in a way where you don't see one another as competition, but you see one another as allies, as comrades. In other words, we're in the same war together. Amen. We're in the same, we're, we're in the same situation, especially you live in the same country. Amen. And, and especially if we're in the same actual local assembly, house of God. Communicating with God's people as comrades and not competition is a crucial source of power. power. And, and it says, and if, and if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body? And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. You see, and then right now what's popular in the church is you got the hand competing against the foot and the foot thinking is better than the ear and the ear thinking he's better than the nose and the nose don't do exactly what the foot don't do and the ears don't do exactly what the mouth does and the head don't do what the feet does and everyone's doing different things and they're criticizing one another because they're doing things differently. Not needing, not realizing that's the trick of the enemy. To steal us from walking in power. But in order to walk in the, the unity of Christ, as we have to see one another as allies, not competition. I need you. And the moment that you are lifted up in that much pride into thinking that you don't need one another, you become like Lucifer, who Jesus said, I saw Lucifer come out of heaven like lightning. He thought that he didn't need everyone else. He thought he was greater than one another. And I'm telling you, this happens. This happens, but it don't need to. And it's all a state of mind. Either we see one another as we, I, I need you, you need me, we're all apart. <laughs> I can't sing. Amen. Now you might not need my gift of singing. That's why we got Deacon Frederick. And a lot of these things stem from insecurity. But I could, I could look at Dick and Frederick. He's got a really good voice, you know. And I could be jealous of his voice. Or I could be like, Lord, thank you for Dick and Frederick. He's got something I don't got. What he doesn't have is what I need. I might have something that he don't got. I got a bald head. <laughs> Amen. He needs it. And look at this in Acts 8.29. This is my, my, one of my most favorite Bible verses because it shows such a level of humility and that the way the body of Christ should function, that we see one another as we need one another, not as competition. It says, then, spirit, then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot, and Philip ran thither to him and heard him read from the prophet Isaiah and said, Understand what thou readest. In other words, do you need help? Do you understand what you're reading? 
And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Now, folks, the level of humility that it takes to admit that you don't know something. And there are some things that we think we know, but we don't know. But it's because of our pride we, we see one another as competition, as a threat, rather than an ally. Amen? And if we start to see one another as allies in the Lord, I'm telling you, we start to flow more as one body. And if Jesus said, when just two or three gather together in my name, there I am. And think of how powerful we are when it's just two or three. But imagine an entire church, an entire body of Christ flowing together, walking together. Man, we will destroy. We will destroy the works of the enemy. He won't even have a chance. He'll come walk by the church and be like, no, not that church. i got to go somewhere else. When we walk in the Holy Ghost laughter and joy, we remind the enemy that he has no power. Folks, when you're walking in the Holy Spirit, God will give you a laughter. Now, there is a laughter that takes place, an uncontrollable laughter, when you're in the service and the Holy Ghost hits you and you just start laughing. You don't even know why you're laughing. It just, there's, it's an experience. It, I, it didn't happen to me all the time. It happened to me about three times. It was the weirdest feeling, but I knew it was God. didn't know how I knew it was God, but it happened. I was a deacon at my home church the first time it happened. I seen it happen before that, but I didn't know what it was. See, it's, it's the thing, too, is if we don't have something happen to us, we could think that it's not real. And that's a deception, too. Just because it didn't happen to you, I've never flown in a, a private jet airplane, but that don't mean I don't believe that it's not real. It just never happened to me, but I, I believe in private jet airplanes. I just never walked. I never drove a Rolls Royce, but that don't mean I don't think they don't exist. And so sometimes that's a deception. Well, it didn't happen to me. It ain't real. No, look, there was a time where I, I was in prison, and there was this guy that was in the choir, and this guy just lost. It was so obnoxious. This guy started laughing, and I was like, what's wrong with him? And I was a brand-new Christian, didn't know any better. I said, what's wrong with that guy? I started judging him. I'm like, man, what is wrong with him? They're like, oh, that's Holy Ghost laughter. I'm like, well, that never happened to me. That's, that seems weird. And, and they're like, no, that's the Holy Spirit. He's laughing in the Holy Spirit. I'm like, well, where is that in the Bible? Right? And I started seeing where it's in the Bible. That's, look, move forward, though. And so here's the thing. So I moved on. I considered it. I said, well, maybe it's real. It just didn't happen to me. Then, then years later, I was a deacon at my home church, and the pastor, uh, Pastor Carlos Joe Jones, he was hitting the tambourine, praising God. I was sitting in the front row as a deacon, praising the Lord. And me and the pastor started looking at each other, and then he started laughing. There was no logic. No jokes were being told. No, nothing unusual. He just started laughing. And then I started laughing, and then he started laughing, and then both of us started laughing, and there was this, like, this spiritual high, this, all the stress of life, all the pressure, all the worries, all the fear, all the, 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 the wicked, it just lifted off, and this laughter, out of control laughter. 
And it probably lasted about 15 minutes. And then he preached the sermon like normal. And after the end of the service, I walked up to him. I said, Pastor, what were you laughing about? He's like, I don't know. What were you laughing about? I'm like, I don't know. But I saw you laughing and I started laughing. Neither one of us know why we were laughing. But it was in the spirit. Amen? Amen. And then that, that happened other times as well, too. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that we should walk in laughter. I'm talking about every day we should walk in laughter. You should, they, they said that children, little babies, will laugh a thousand times more than adults. Jesus said, unless you become as a little child, that you can't be my disciple. You can't enter in the kingdom of heaven. You have to be converted as a little child. What is different than a little child and an adult? Children laugh at the dumbest things. They laugh at everything. And here's the thing. When we have a free heart, when we have a free heart and we have the joy of the Lord and the Holy Spirit, we're able to laugh every day. And my wife, bless her heart, but she sometimes she would hear me laughing and she would not know what I was laughing about. And she would start laughing. I'm like, honey, what are you laughing about? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. She started laughing because I was laughing. And you see, we should be, some people cannot laugh. They're so serious and so, so burdened down. And, and it's just hard for them to laugh. Folks, that's not a way to live. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. And when you're operating and walking in the joy of the Lord, it don't take much to set us off. You see what I'm saying? That's why you guys laugh at my jokes. Not that I'm so funny. You guys are on edge already ready to laugh because the flow of the Lord, the joy is just flowing over. And there are some folks, man, I hit them with my best jokes and I can't even get them to crack a smile. Like, like one of my best jokes is this, is I go through the toll booth when I go to that show, TCT, and, and it'll be a, a nickel a lot of times. It's five cents, right? And I'll give them the five cents, or maybe it's a quarter. I don't know what it is. Whatever, it's like a quarter nickel, and I'll give them the toll booth, and they'll take it, and they'll say, do you need a receipt? And I'll say, there goes my retirement. And they'll just, they won't laugh at it. That is hilarious. My retired of a quarter? Not even crack a smile. Because they're probably so used to people complaining and being critical and being mean. But you could be in that same situation and have the joy of the Lord and still be cheerful. Amen? When we walk in the Holy Ghost laughter and the joy, and joy, we remind the enemy he has no power over us. See, the devil's goal is to make you mad. The devil's goal is to steal your joy. He's to have you aggravated, angry, bitter, hurt, uh, on edge. All That's how he wants to keep us. But when we're literally laughing, he has no power over us. We walk in power, and we are a threat to the enemy. When we should be afraid, we should be scared, and we're laughing instead, it throws the enemy into confusion. And here is an example of that. 1 Kings 18, 27. It says, And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them. In other words, he made fun of them. And he said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey. Pre-adventure he sleeps and must be awakened. So here was the competition between uh, the prophet Elijah and all the false prophets. You see that the real prophet of God was laughing. 
And while he was laughing, it threw them into a tangent. And without going into descriptions, they started cutting themselves. All the false promises. Meanwhile, the real man of God, he was laughing. He was mocking them. He was ridiculed. See, we should not be mad at the devil. We should laugh at the devil. We should laugh in a way where the devil gets mad. Yeah, when you were little kids and you had brothers and sisters and they did something, you ever point in their face and laugh at them and they got more mad? <laughs> right? That's what we need to do to the devil. Point at him and laugh. Laugh at him. Why? Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the Lord. That's funny. That's funny. Amen? That the devil thinks that he has a chance to even touch us. Here Elijah is mocking them, laughing at them. When you're supposed to be depressed, you're supposed to be defeated, you're supposed to have anxiety and fear and worry, and you're walking around laughing. The devil's going to have to switch up, amen? Well, that didn't work. Isaiah 12, 2, it says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength, my song. He also is become my salvation. Therefore, with the joy shall ye uh, draw water out of the wells of salvation. Folks, when you know you're saved... You have a right to laughter. You're saved. That means the devil is already defeated. Whatever happens, you're saved. He can't take, the devil can't take that from you. The Bible says no man can snatch us out of the hands of God. That means no devil, no demon, no person. Once you are saved, you are saved. Amen. Now you can leave God, right? But no one can take you. Out of the hands of God. You have the victory. Amen. Amen. And with that, you should already be set off with joy. Amen. Power starts with the right mindset and the right declaration before it overflows into works. Amen. 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 <laughs> Amen. Someone was watching me on YouTube or Facebook, God bless them. They're like, man, I like your preaching, but you say amen too much. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. There's an actual song that they probably would hate. It's called Amen, Amen, Amen. I should sing that song for that person. Amen. <laughs> Power starts with the right mindset and the right declaration before it flows into works. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Now, I want you to look at David because the same mindset that David has, we can have. And we should have. Alright, look at the way he addressed Saul. He addressed Saul with reverence, with respect, and with humility. 
And, and, and he was walking in power. But I want to I highlight some characteristics that we can apply to our life where we also walk in that same power as David. And, and so, again, he called himself a servant, which means it's a sign of humility. But he didn't also just say, I'm a servant. He said, I'm your servant. So he stepped up to Saul, recognizing that he was an appointed leader, and he reverenced the office. And so when we can reverence the offices of the people of God, we will start to walk in an anointing and a power that some people don't have access to. Because of just that level of humility and that level of reverence. This was not at yet a reverence for God. He goes into that, but this is a reverence for the leader of God. You see, and folks, when they dishonor the people that God has put into position, indirectly they dishonor God because God has placed them there. And you got some folks, they have so much pride, they think no one is of God. That's why they'll never find a church that they're happy at because they'll always find fault with the leader. And here's the thing. You legitimately can still find fault with the leader and still show respect. You can do that. Because there's only one Jesus and I'm not he. But look at what David does. He says, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock. I went after it. I struck it. I rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. So David has a certain mindset. And in his mindset, he came with humility. He came with reverence. And then he went into his testimony. See, when you're fighting a battle, you need to remind the devil where God has already brought you from. Where has God brought you from already? What have you already survived? Throw that in the enemy's face. And he's, he's not bragging about it. He's saying, this is what God has already done. I, I see this, 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 this giant, this Philistine. I recognize how big he is. I see the severity of the situation. But my God. He's already delivered me from the hands of the lion and of a bear. And the PSI, the pressure, the power of a lion, they say is a roughly a thousand PSI bite, pounds per square inch. In other words, a lion has so much power with this force, it crunches the human bones. I believe they said it takes like about 300, 400 pounds of uh, pressure to crack a human bone depending on the type of bone and a lion can crush human bones same thing with the bear they said a roughly a thousand psi and david fought both a lion and a bear and destroyed them and he knew that it wasn't him it was him walking in power and he knew that if he could walk in power in this area can he not walk in power in the next area? See, God will take us from testimony to testimony to testimony. If God did one thing in your life, don't think that he does one and done. You can walk in power. 
He said, I went after it and I struck it and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and the bear. Uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. And the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So here, look at what happened. First, David came in humility. Then he reverenced the man of God. Then he testified about what God had already brought from. And then out of his mouth, he declared what God was going to do. So as you walk in power, you have to stay humble, reverence the people of God, and then testify about what God brought you from. And then out of your mouth, you have to declare... David, out of his mouth, he said the same God that did that is going to destroy this. So when you have a problem in your life, you can say the same God that rescued me back in this day will be the same God that will defeat that disease, that will heal that sickness, that will bless and prosper and provide for me. The same God who delivered for me from drugs and alcohol will be the same God that anoints my feet and blesses me and everywhere I go. You have, a, you have to declare that. You have to declare that my children are saved. The same God that delivered me from drugs and alcohol will be the same God that will save my children, will be the same God that will save my parents, will be the same God that delivers and sets free my brothers and sisters in the Lord. See, what David had the opportunity to see a problem and say, you know what, you, there's more of you. He could have walked in and said, well, Saul, you're the leader. I'm just a shepherd. Boy, you take care of it. Well, that's why I don't go to this army of Israel. I'm going to find myself another army. And they walk around in fear. They're scared. You know, I would, have, I would have went with this army, but they're all afraid and they're cowards. See, he had an opportunity to be hypercritical. And he'd have been right. You see, God doesn't send us into a perfect situation. He gives us a perfect anointing to be a blessing to the situation. If you find fall in some area, if you find fall in your marriage, find fall in your job, find fall in your family, find fall in the church, the church, is God telling you to run from it or to hit it head on and for you to be the difference, for you to be the light, for you to be the salt, for you to operate in the Holy Spirit and to change. You see, a lot of folks, they get it wrong. They find a situation and a problem, and they run from it rather than running into it. See, leaders and powerful people that walk in power, they don't run from the problems. They run into the problem, trusting that God is able to change and make a difference. He would have had all the right. And even before he got to this position of battle, his own brothers turned on him and said, you just came up here because out of naughtiness. You just came up here because you, you were nosy and wanted to sing the problem. He was bringing them food. He brought them cheese. You just came up here for a problem. He could have been like, yeah, you're right. You, you handle yourself. And he could have kept his testimony to himself and walked away. But he didn't. See, David walked in true power. And I propose this. The same power that David walked in, he serves the same God that we serve. We serve that same God. And if we do the exact same thing that David did, we will get the exact same results. Why? Because the Bible says 
God is no respecter of persons. Walking in love is the most important, powerful source of power. Power, 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 power. You guys remember that TV show, Power Rangers? Go, go, Power Rangers. I hated that cartoon. Man, it was so annoying. If you guys liked it, forgive me. I'm just, I was more of a He-Man guy. Go, go, Power Rangers. My, see, my cartoons would have beat up the Power Rangers. I, I had G.I. Joe, Transformers, He-Man. They would have whooped Power Rangers. Walking in love is the most important, powerful source of power. This is my last point, folks. Corinthians 13.2 And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge and though I have all the faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Amen. So in order for us to walk in the power of God, we have to walk in love. Prophecy, folks, I love prophecy. I love tongues. I love a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. I love theology. I love all the things in the Bible. But if you love the Bible, it clearly highlights that more important than tongues, more important than prophecy, more important than a word of knowledge, with, above all those things is love. It's saying if you don't have love, all those things have no profit. And though I propose this, that the greatest power for us to walk in is love. Christian Church, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me.